episode of Shoecast. We're joined this week with Jenny from Shoe Academy and Molly who works as client executive for Shoe. Am I right? Nailed it. And um, we've got them both here today to talk about the impact of COVID on events industry and well Fashion Fiesta which is Shoe's big event that they do and Jenny is a fashion student so we're bringing it all together. It works. It works. I'm going to start with Molly if you want to introduce yourself and tell us what you do and all about Fashion Fiesta. Yeah so I'm Molly I originally joined Shoe as a kind of office assistant um, and worked my way up to client executives. I first met Rachel and Chris who owned Shoe um, through Fashion Fiesta. I was a makeup student and just started my degree and a family friend of mine who was a business connection of Rachel and Chris's um had kind of sent me this message that Rachel and Chris put out on Twitter I think it was um asking for makeup artists and fashion designers for the fashion show um which was Fashion Fiesta it was held at the Midland in Bradford at the time it hadn't moved to Leeds um and I went along back in 2016 just started my degree and I did the makeup and I, they haven't got rid of me since um <laughs> so yeah that's that's my connection to shoe and Fashion Fiesta perfect and Jenny if you want to give a little overview of just who Jenny is. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a second year fashion marketing student at Leeds Beckett. I'm an intern at the Shoe Academy, but I'm also one of the marketing coordinators for Fashion Fiesta. I only actually joined Fashion Fiesta last year, so I actually joined uh, amidst COVID, which is um, really interesting given that it's an event. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. How would the event normally work, Molly? I'll just start start with that so we can kind of look at how how it's meant to be and how, how it is yes yeah, so normally the, the show has always well it originally back in back in the day back in like 2016 um fashion fiesta was started in 2015 by rachel for for kind of placement of things um in, in bradford and then it eventually moved to leeds but the show kind of is normally towards the end of the year Kind of October, November time, we've now settled kind of the end of November. It's normally the last Thursday in November. Um, so we start planning the show kind of January, February time. We give ourselves a few months off, give ourselves Christmas and New Year off, and then we come back in February and start planning. Um, applications for designers, makeup artists, models, all the volunteers goes out around this time of year, around April, Easter time. Um, and the show is normally, like I said, the last Thursday of November so right now we would be kind of in the midst of kind of getting making sure everything's ready for applications to go out making sure there's millions of social posts going out um, we have a lovely 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 core team of volunteers who come back year after year mm -hmm. um, which typically models and makeup artists because we'd like to kind of keep them, the designers rotating on new kind of designers um, so I'd be bashing out hundreds of emails to, to the core team to be like we want you to come back again um, and me and Rachel and Arub and Victoria, who are like the core team of Fashion Fiesta, would be on the train back and forth to Leeds, to the venue, to sponsors, to make sure everything is kind of running. So yeah, it's, it's kind of strange not being in, the, in that midst of hecticness at the moment, because especially since it's a really nice day today here, you know, I feel like I should be in Leeds running around various sponsors and, and the venue and stuff. So how does it run now? Did, did we do fashion? There was one, wasn't it? But it was all 
virtual. Yeah, so last year we obviously what happened a year ago tomorrow happened um, and it kind of got to the place where originally we thought lockdown was going to be two weeks and then it was a year. <laughs> um, so we kind of decided originally we said oh we'll keep on with the November and we'll be fine by November mm -hmm. and then it kind of got to the summer and we were like mm, maybe not and I think it was probably like late summer we kind of decided even if we could do this in November it, it wouldn't be the show we want it to be because we wouldn't have enough time and, and time to put love into it because it was too close so we cancelled the show and we moved it online so we had a webinar around table um, with people from the Royal Society of Arts, Zero Waste Leeds, um, Leeds Council, Leeds City Council and we kind of all came together and spoke about the importance of um, kind of recycling in the industry and how fashion is going to move to become more sustainable and, and kind of the importance of that. I think that's where we're kind of going to take fashion fiesta. But yeah, last year we had a roundtable discussion. We put loads of videos that designers had taken throughout the year, throughout lockdown online, made sure that kind of all of those voices that we normally bring together were still heard because the fashion, the events industry has taken a massive hit and, and it and it needs to survive because it's such a big industry and it brings so much to the UK. So how and why did this all start? Like what was the purpose of Fashion Fiesta? So I feel like I shouldn't be telling this story, but Rachel and Chris are not in the office, so, so I will on behalf of Rachel. Um, so Rachel and Chris, who own Shrew, um, obviously a very big part of Shrew is giving back. And so we have the Academy, we have Digital Year, we have the social networking groups, we have Fashion Fiesta. Um, Fashion Fiesta is the charity part of that. So that's, that's no profit comes from Fashion Fiesta, it all goes back to charity. Um, and Rachel and Chris were, to be front with it, fed up of jumping out of planes and, and kind of just signing a cheque. They wanted to physically do something and um, with the connections they have. So Fashion Fiesta kind of brings together the, the, the top business people of Leeds who come very nicely as our sponsors. It brings together the people who may have just finished fashion school, they may have just finished doing a makeup degree, they may have just finished kind of doing an events management degree and it gives them the platform to meet these business people, to network with other people in, in the same position as them and to make those contacts as well as giving back to charity. So I think over the past, well, six years minus two years because there hasn't been a show, um, I think we've raised over 10 grand for charities, various charities. Um, each year we have two charities. There's always one local charity and one national charity. We don't really have a theme, it's just kind of picked as we go. So the last two charities we raised money for were uh, Teenage Cancer Trust and Ryan Rides. So Ryan was a previous sponsor and then he's gone on to set up It's Worth Talking About, which is a mental health charity here in, in West North, North West Yorkshire. And he's doing really well, so yeah. Jenny, what do <coughs> you do in terms of involvement with Fashion Fiesta? Yeah, so um, as I said, I sort of joined when the event was all online. Um, so I help out in creating the graphics and uploading all of the content to social media. Um, so sort of like announcing things. And when we had all of the roundtable discussions and we did a lot of like interviews, 
um, I was in charge of like making sure that they were all up on time and ready to go and sort of scheduling it all um, and yeah. I was also in the webinar. How does that, does that kind of help you with your degree? Because I don't know, you're second year aren't you? So would yeah. you normally in a fashion, de um, fashion degree, I, d I don't know, I don't know any other fashion students, would you be doing a lot of events type things even kind of without shoe? No, so Whilst my course is very like hands-on and practical, we study a lot of things like and we research into them. So like we look at different fashion shows, we look at what brands are doing to like interact with customers. So like virtual shopping experiences and stuff like that. And we look at sustainability, which I know Fashion Fiesta is really heavy on. So we research all of that, but we, we don't actually do anything about it. Like we, we talk about how we need to help designers and we need to promote like young and small businesses and we talk about that but we don't actually do it um which is why I was like really excited when I found out about Fashion Fiesta because it's putting those skills that I'm learning to uni at use before I even finish uni which I think is really exciting and as well yeah. it's like all the designers are like fair like quite a lot of them are like uni students as well so it's like people who are only a few years older than me and it's giving them their first shots as well which I think is really exciting. Um, this is a question open to both Jenny and Molly, but do you think now that we've lived a year in, with COVID with all online events, do you think fashion events will change in the future? Do you think, or do you think they will go back to how they were before COVID or will there be a mixture of online? What do you think? Um, am, am I right to answer this one, Molly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think for a lot of young and lower, um, lower income designers, I think COVID has shown them all that like the world is your oyster like with TikTok and social media and stuff it's shown them that if they want to be a designer they can be a designer but when you think about London Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, Milan, Tokyo there's a sort of like a realm of exclusivity about it like every anyone who's anyone is at one of those shows and I think I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon I think for smaller designers it's opened it's opened the horizons it's shown them that they can do stuff online but I don't, I don't think it'll ever, I don't think fashion shows will ever disappear. I think they're too much of a community and a way to bring people together. Mm. And also, you, obviously, you, you use social media. I think you heavily used Instagram and Facebook, if I remember rightly. But which one, how did social media help you? Like, What was so great about social media and which platform was the best for you to and host the show. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll take this one. Um, we, when the show first started, I'm not sure, I wasn't part of it in 2015, I joined in 2016, um, and it was very heavily focused on kind of Facebook and Twitter. The Instagram did pick up till Arub joined the team and she kind of put a hell of a lot of time into the Instagram to make it what it is today and what Jenny's kind of made it is and Catherine. Um, but I think I think Facebook is always where Fashion Fiesta has kind of got the most traction as well as Instagram. And um, we live stream the show on Facebook because we like to make it as open as possible. So if you can't be there, if you <clears throat> sorry, if you can't be there in person or if you want to watch it back or if you were a designer on the night, you know, you can always it's always there to watch back. Um, but I think things like Twitter are great for live tweeting. Um, I mean, I found Fashion Fiesta through Twitter, um, but I think Instagram and TikTok are definitely the way forward, kind of looking six years on. 
I definitely think those platforms are kind of where the people we want to be involved with Fashion Fiesta are. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you think there's a lot of, obviously you've just said that you normally live stream the event anyway, but is there anything that you'll add going forward? Because obviously you've done these webinars with people, people from all over on them that you probably wouldn't necessarily be able to do because if these people are kind of scattered and have so many different schedules, do you think that's something that you'll add going forward? Like you'll have the main event as it is, but you might have kind of add-on things or is it too uh, I know for her, we've got, she's got another event called Digital You, I won't go into it, but it's, it's, it's about the digital world and social media. And I know for that, we are looking at making that kind of half in person, half online in the future. I don't think Fashion Fiesta will go half and half like that will. I think there'll definitely be the majority of having it in person. I think in-person events are so important to the industry. They bring billions and billions of pounds to the UK a year. And for fashion, I think digital is great and you can do so much with digital, like Jenny was talking about, kind of virtual shopping and these kind of virtual try-on things that you can do now. But I think actually seeing the, seeing the fabric, it sounds very gimmicky, but kind of seeing it in real life and watching someone walking it is so important. And, and the networking aspect of Fashion Fiesta as well. I think that's so important to make those kind of person-to-person -person connections. Um, and I, I'm fed up with Zoom. I'm kind of, I want to get back out there and meet people and kind of see people face-to-face. -face. I, think, I think Fashion Fiesta will always have an aspect online. Um, but I think it's, it's kind of main, the main heart of it will always be in person. What inspired the event to be fashion? You'd have to ask Rachel that, I've no idea. I think it came from <laughs> her love of fashion and, and events. Rachel, Rachel came from a background in events. That's, that's what she studied. That's what she started her career in. Um, so I think it, it kind of just came from Rachel's love of wanting to do something that she was passionate about. And then to have that aspect of, well, this is what I'm passionate about, but I also want to give back and kind of merging them two together. So Jenny, obviously you're in your second year at uni. Um, you're probably not thinking much about what you're going to do post-graduation, but um, do you think working in Fashion Fiesta has it um, sort of made you think about what sort of career you want to go into? Do you want to go in that sort of events, fashion industry, or has it made you not? What, what's your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, so the thing about fashion marketing is that it covers so many different areas. And what I really enjoy about Fashion Fiesta is that I really, I like that aspect of having, having somewhere to go and something to do rather than just like sitting on posting on social media all day and like looking at analytics and stuff. Cause that's not, I'm not, I'm not a numbers girl. Um, so yeah, it's definitely helped me like try and decide what career I maybe want to go down to, whether or not that's just um, like social media marketing as general, or maybe even like influencer marketing, because within influencer marketing, it's a lot of events and like really fun things. So yeah, it definitely showed me different options that I didn't necessarily know were a thing. Um, so obviously you have a lot of volunteers um, working with Fashion Fiesta. How would anybody get involved? Just, there's a postman outside and I think he's coming here. <laughs> That's turning. Oh. I've gone next door, it's fine, carry on. <laughs> okay, right. So obviously you get a lot of volunteers helping with the Fashion Fiesta. Um, how would anyone watching this who's interested 
make, get involved? So we always ask people to drop us an email. It's how we communicate here at Shoe and Fashion Fiesta. Um, so info at shoesocialmedia.co.uk. I'm sure it'll be somewhere on the screen at the end of this or in, in the bot top bit or in the bottom wherever you're watching this <laughs> um, so yeah just drop us an email if you want to attach your cv attach your cv if not send us some pictures of your beautiful designs of your makeup that you do modeling whatever you've got and um, we're, we're hoping really hoping that we can put a show on in november it's looking like it'll be a bit smaller and um, it, it might not be in leaves we, we don't know what it's going to look like yet um, but we're really hoping to put it on in November, but if not, spring 2022. Ooh. So, uh, obviously it's November so far away at the minute, but are you going to put an event on in November if it's online or have you already started planning it or are you waiting to see what restrictions? So I think, I think we're kind of waiting till late spring. So kind of end of April time, kind of this time and um, make a decision and go from there because this is like I said this is the time of year that applications would open they'd normally open over the Easter holidays to kind of get as much traction as we can on them um so hopefully we'll have a decision by by May um I'm really really hoping we get to do something small whether it's in Ilkley whether where Shoe is based or whether it's in Leeds where Fashion Fiesta is normally based um we've we've kind of yet to decide yet yet to kind of understand what's probably best um if it comes to it and we can't do a physical one, there'll definitely be something online again. We don't want people to kind of forget about us. We're still here, you know, we're still shouting about Fashion Fiesta and how important it is for people. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be doing something online or in person, whatever, whatever ends up happening. Well, seeing all the photos from past years when COVID wasn't about, there was a lot of people who attended. With the online event last November, was there, it was there a drop in, uh, people attending the live streams or do you think people are still engaging with what you were doing? So normally at a show we have around 200 people, two to 300 people overall, that includes backstage, front of house, volunteers and guests. Um, I don't know the official numbers for the live stream, they've, they've floated off out of my head, um, but I suspect it would have been a lot lower because there will have been a lot smaller amount of people watching live but then you know the, the people that go back and watch the video two days later a month later they might have bookmarked it on facebook they might have saved it on instagram they might have seen the link on twitter and clicked through they might have seen it on linkedin you know i suspect it will have been about the same people if not more because of course digital reach is worldwide um but yeah i think i think digital is an interesting aspect i mean i work at <laughs> i work at a marketing agency um, but I think digital for events is definitely something that's, that's had to kind of grow a lot because of COVID. I think it's something that that's had to happen. Um, but like I said earlier, there's nothing, nothing better than a physical event. The buzz I get off a physical event, the pressure, I strive off pressure, I love it. Um, so I can't wait to be backstage with 15 people shouting in my ear, radio walk talking in my hand and, and Rachel running after me, you know. Do you think uh, doing the event online in November, did it, both of you, did it open your eyes to how, how useful social media can be? Like obviously Molly, you work in a marketing agency and Jenny, you do fashion marketing. Obviously you probably know a lot about social media, but did it open your eyes to even like what more possibilities you can do with social media? I'll let Jenny answer. 
Um, we had a Fashion Fiesta official video, and um, I don't know if anyone saw it, but it w- I just thought it was incredible. It was created like during a pandemic with like so many different people who were all all in different places, and that one video literally looked like it could have been just made by like one person at an event, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like a really interesting way for creatives, especially in that if 2020 slash now well now 2021's taught us anything it's that there is so much room for collaboration within the creative industry well in all industries really but especially that within the creative ones that nobody would have ever thought of before like you would have only thought oh well I can't collaborate with this person because they live 100 miles away but you know all the technology that we've been introduced to over the past sort of year or so has taught us that actually it can you can collaborate with a designer from uh, another country if you wanted to and I think that's really a really interesting and creative thought yeah and I just just want to shout out to everyone who was part of that video Aru put the call out on social media and we had past designers friends of past designers you know designers who had never heard of us before send videos and photos in um, and and a massive shout out to Taylor from the Shoe Academy who was sent a, a Google Drive and a WeTransfer and was like, can you put this into a video, please? There's some nice, fun music. And, and kind of threw it back to us in 24 hours. And um, I think I've got a, a video of me watching it and I'm like, okay. my computer, because I was so shocked at how well you had done it in like two hours. And I was like, wow, you know, yeah. it I just kind of- it. I, I watched it and I was like, oh. We'll link. Yeah, I link, we'll link. <laughs> I honestly like uh, I knew that Taylor had entered it and when I watched it I was like oh my you would have thought it was made by some massive team of editors in one room and a massive production I was like oh my gosh I was so surprised by it but um the man's a wizard he has he has skilled he it was it was I think when I was watching it it was how they the videos moved to the beat of the music and I was like Mm. yeah (laughs) So obviously you were all working online to get all this organised. Um, did it? Did you come across any like hurdles? Was it difficult to collaborate with each other online? Um, yeah. Do you want to share anything about that? Um, I don't. I don't think there's any major difficulties. I don't. In your usual events, in your physical events, you always have someone who might have entered who's not tech savvy, who doesn't know that much about emails, who doesn't know. who doesn't know what a google drive is or doesn't know how to send you files or something so there's always those hurdles in physical events and but i suppose in digital events and because of the pandemic so many more people who were involved had had to learn that kind of stuff because of you know they had to facetime the family or they had to work from home i think the kind of learning aspect of it has grown so much because people have had to it's one of those things that we were kind of all forced to learn um so there weren't any stumbling hurdles for me i don't know if jenny had any or found any no no everything <laughs> it was smooth sailing <laughs> thank god i wasn't involved you would have had a big issue <laughs> i'm still struggling now zoom links i'm like sorry what where <laughs> so jenny do you think it's had a positive impact in, in your degree so we've talking spoken about what your mindset on your career but has it actually helped you with your your, de- your work and your assignments in your degree has it opened up your eyes more about the fashion industry yeah I think it's it's so with my degree we talk about designers 
and we sort of we talk about them but with fashion fiesta you know you actually talk to them if that makes mm-hmm. sense like it's knowing the designs and sort of if you talk to a designer you can sort of see inside the head a bit which helps you understand the reasons behind it and then it makes it easier to market those clothes um, but I think Fashion Fiesta is such an incredible experience, like, especially as a fashion marketing student. Like Everybody thinks of fashion and thinks the devil wears Prada and you think, oh my gosh, I can never work in fashion. Everyone's going to be horrible. I'm going to hate it. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was, um, before I got involved in Fashion Fiesta, I was applying for placements and it is savage applying for placements <laughs> in the fashion industry. Like, the big fast fashion companies like Boohoo and Pretty Little Thing get over like 600 applications like just for internships which is like they don't pay very well and mm. it's not even for companies that are necessarily like sustainable and like forward thinking so to be involved in Fashion Fiesta and you're meeting like people from the RSA and um, like leaders of sustainability like in Leeds is like really influential and it's it's really exciting as a student to actually get to meet those people before you even sort of I say before you even get into the industry but I guess so, I am in the industry now aren't I? so well, look at that girl. <laughs> so I'm guessing the roundtable discussion uh talk was that all based on sustainability and oh, so what like so for someone who has no idea I have a little bit of idea about it, but I don't really. Would you like to just give us a quick roundup of like things you can do to be more? What we should be doing. Tell us what we should be doing. I don't think I don't think any of us are kind of or think of ourselves as kind of like the perfect image of sustainability. You know, we're not all there with all the rubbish we've made in a year in a little mason jar kind of thing. (laughs) But I think it's definitely about people taking little steps and kind of everyone doing. The littlest bit, even if you're using a metal straw, or even if you say to yourself, right, I'm not going to buy from any fast fashion places. You know, I've stopped myself going into Primark now because I know how bad it is. And, and I am invested in those clothing pieces that are going to last me longer and I know will last me longer. And I think it's those little changes that kind of help everything. You know, you're never going to be the perfect image of sustainability, but it's, it's all about those little things. Um, so I know people from the Royal Society of Arts and Zero Waste Leeds were talking about investing in those in those core pieces that are going to last years and years. And they were talking about supporting smaller designers who, you know, are not kind of a big fast fashion company and are not kind of pulling things in from China and are not kind of making all this waste because they might say, oh, you know, this is from our kind of green range or this is from our sustainability range, but the company still makes so much waste and still imports all their clothing from China. You know, it's, it's, they might have a green range or they might have a sustainable range, but it's, it's looking further into that. I don't know if Jenny wants to add on that because I know she was there. Yeah, so um, a lot of my degrees about sustainability, like in every single module, we, we cover sustainability because it's, it's, when you think about trends, you have things that last a really long time, they're called long-term trends, and sustainability is, we're, we're in the middle of a long-term trend because everybody knows about global warming, and it's, it's not even about, oh, I have to buy these £70 leggings because they're made from recycled paper, it's about not buying a new dress every time you go out it's about only buying clothes you love and 
looking at the clothes you have and not just throwing them away if you don't like them. So you might have a pair of jeans that are a really ugly colour. You might dye them or you might pop them on Depop. You might give them to a friend, send them to a charity shop. It's about extending the life cycle of clothes rather than just you having them. The great thing about clothing is that 99% of the time you can fix it. And if you can't fix it, you can make something else from it. And it's about being creative or giving it to other people who can be creative um, to sort of extend the life cycle. Like you might have loads of old scarves that you give to a friend and she, or you might donate it to a local sick form and then all those fashion design students who might not have the money for the next collection can make something really cool out of them. It's about extending like, like clothing life cycles and buying things when you love them rather than just because I'm really sad and I need some new trousers. There was a great article from, I can't remember who wrote it, but it was about Alexander McQueen, the, the fashion house. Mm -hmm. um, all there, because I don't know if you know this, but fashion companies tend to bulk buy fashion and they buy that pattern. So, you know, when you see like the Louis Vuitton pattern or you see the Fendi pattern, it, it just kind of protects that and it means that other designers and people who might make fakes can't buy that pattern um, but Alexander McQueen obviously when they do that they have a lot of leftover fabric because they might use it for one season and then never use it again so a lot of these fashion houses have warehouses full of fabric that they might never use again but they're, they're keeping for the protection um, but Alexander McQueen the fashion house donated all of their kind of leftover fabrics and, and all this kind of back stock to I think it's universities in London London Arts University and mm. um, so, so the students making their final collections could use it because it's so expensive for students can buy all this fabric to make all these designs so they, they just kind of emptied the warehouses to these unis and were like use it and I think that's such a great example for, for a major label like McQueen to kind of go you know we're never going to use this again you know you might as well have it use it and I think that's that's something that a lot of the industry needs to pick up on Oh. I actually love it when people make it actually it half kills me but you know when like someone like, you know them patchwork jeans you can get I mean to be fair I don't think this girl made them myself but you <laughs> is is the idea and like I swear I've complimented someone before and being like oh my god I love them where did you get them and they're like oh well it's like a mixture of this and this and it's like only you have it and then it's yeah. I can't have it. I'm like, I wish I could actually make something. I could learn. <laughs> but this <laughs> idea in my head of like patchwork jeans, I'm obsessed. <laughs> Love it. Just to like get all of my old jeans and then just be like, I feel like Jenny would do that. I might just get Jenny to do it. <laughs> but the thing is, it there are so many things on YouTube and even on TikTok. It's so mm. easy to learn how to not necessarily with a big sewing machine, but stuff like patchwork jeans. All you need is a a needle and thread and maybe two episodes of your favourite TV series. I'm going to mention this because I know Jenny will really love it, but um, over lockdown, J.W. Anderson made this kind of, or just before lockdown, made this cardigan, <laughs> and it was a knitted cardigan of like green and red and yellow and black, and Harry Styles ended up wearing it, and it got that popular on TikTok that J.W. Anderson, the designer, the house that made it, released the knitting pattern and everyone was making it on TikTok for themselves because they, they, they released the pattern for it. And it got that popular that the V&A Museum, it's like the big museum in London, and they have a lot of fashion archives there, um, that the V&A requested the original 
to be put in their historical archives because it had been that much of a movement over lockdown that they were like, we want the original and we want the, the kind of the story behind it. Oh, that's so cool. I was actually going to ask, uh, before you mentioned TikTok, which is really weird, um, I was going to ask, do you think TikTok is helping with sustainability or not? Because when I go on TikTok, I think trends are so fast like i go on one time and it's this top that's all over tiktok and then you go again and it's a different top and you're like i can't keep up with this fashion trend do you think it tiktok is helping with sustainability or not i think it's it's a hard one because you've got so many creators that are like this is how to like there are so many creators who are like oh my god we'll talk about the zara pink jeans um, for a second if you know, <laughs> back in March the Zara pink <laughs> and they sold out um, but everybody I don't know if you know this but Zara I have um, are the fastest company in the world for turning over fast fashion um, they can have a product be taken from the idea to being in the stores in I think it's under three weeks which is record-breaking when they're made wow. in Spain um, they are they're the, the big men in um, fast fashion, um, which is funny because all the labels say sustainable. Um, <laughs> so you've got people who show the fast fashion trends and they're changing and they're changing and they're changing. But there's another side of TikTok where people go, okay, so you want the pink jeans. Well, this is how to get pink jeans from jeans you already have and they'll show you how to dye them. Or they might show um, a listing similar on Depop or something like that. So I feel like it's very much so fighting fire with fire on TikTok. Um, but with any social media trends like that happen, they happen on Instagram, it's just on TikTok. Because of the way the algorithm works, you feel like you're seeing so many different things so quickly. Um, so yeah, I think that's a very hard question to answer actually. I'm not sure, no. Do you, do you have any, any ideas to add to that, Molly? Um, I mean, Jenny's the TikTok queen, so I don't, I don't really <laughs> feel like I have a voice in that. But I think that, like Jenny said, it's like fighting fire with fire. You've got these people on TikTok who are doing another fashion haul every two minutes. You know, I've done an ASOS shop and I've done a Zara shop and I've done a Boohoo shop. But then you have these really, really inspiring creatives who kind of know what they're talking about and are, and are wanting to share it. And I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope this and blah blah blah. I hope sustainability is the way forward because I think it's it's the key. It's it's kind of going back to that thing of you know reuse, rewear, recycle, or whatever the three R's are. And I think it's it's really important. I uh, oh, yeah. I didn't realise listening to Jenny and saying like what things you could do. I actually didn't realise actually I'm kind of sustainable without even realising. I'm very like when I have clothes I'm really precious about them I can't throw them away even though I don't wear them I'm like, I can't throw them away and then if I want to buy a top it takes me about four weeks to actually decide to buy that top because I'm like um and ahhing and I didn't actually realize <laughs> I was being sustainable but I am I did used to I had a friend back in college who bought a dress every single night out she used to go on and I, I didn't understand that from the point of money but now you're saying it like it is so unsustainable it's so bad um so yeah. I'm gonna be dying all my jeans now. <laughs> like, yeah. right, like I'm gonna be stealing jeans. I mean, like my mom's old jeans because she's skinny. <laughs> yeah, my my mum um, a few years ago came up to me. She had this old denim jacket. She said, "Do you want it?" And I said, "No." And like a year later. <laughs> oh my god! I steal all my mom's clothes now from the. Yeah. 80s. 
a year oh, later yeah. denim jackets came in and i was I thought god's sake because it was like it was probably a branded one back in the day and it's just something like that if i said yes then i would have been able to keep that and it would have been probably really good quality and would have helped the environment but i think she did donate it to charity because we normally just take it to the charity shop but yeah and my wardrobe at home there's like this it's such a big wardrobe i've got like some of my dad's suits in there and stuff because you know there's room for them in there um, and there's always been this denim jacket and I never paid attention to it until I'd like, I don't even know why I I'd kind of opened it. And it was a Levi's jacket from the 80s and it was like the, the one with sheepskin inside. And I was like, oh, I found a little bit of gold Look here. at my face. And, uh, <laughs> Cry. and I put it on and it fit perfectly and I was like, bingo. And it was kind of one that he'd kind of bought in San Francisco when he was on holiday in the 80s and I was like, meant to be. Um, I love clothes with a story think, as well. And I think it's so interesting because like obviously it didn't have pockets here but it had like the, the pockets here mm. and I opened one of them and there was um, like the brochure for our local bonfire night thing from like 1991 and I thought that was so interesting like the last time you wore this jacket was like bonfire night in 91 wow. and I was like that's so interesting that you just hung it up and put it in the wardrobe and you never wore it again. <laughs> My answer is mine. <laughs> yeah, my answer is a coat a few weeks ago, and I tried it on, and I found a five pound note and a pound coin. The old five pound note. Oh. Take well, it to the bank, Fran. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take it to the bank one. I don't know if they, even know if they're open, but I'm going to take them when I can. Um, but it's actually buzzing, so <laughs> little things like that. That's the thing about fashion, though. Is we I do a lot of trend forecasting and trend analysis in my degree, and trends constantly constantly come back you you probably will know this but they 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 like recycle themselves if you will mm -hmm. they're always coming back and you sort of go through the decades and you go through the decades again mm. so at the moment but they sort of move so at the moment the big things are corsets and flares which is it's crazy how it all comes yeah. back and as well i think it's important to note that it's okay if you want to buy the pink zara jeans and it's okay if you want to buy something from a fast fashion item if you absolutely love it it's just not doing it all the time and um, being conscious when you're buying it and think will i actually wear this how much wear will i actually get out of it and am i just buying it because molly may's got it or am i buying it because i want it yeah it's so weird when you were saying about how things recycle um i saw a tiktok and it was someone must have filmed a high school in america back in i think it was like the 80s and it was in the corridor and everyone was walking oh. back and it looked just like it was taken today except from the quality of the camera but that the what what they were wearing i was like oh my gosh like that is just what it looks like at when you walk around lee's uni that is how everyone looks yeah but lee's uni has its own style <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to God, like I wear things at uni. Well, not not even all the time, but then I'll come home and my mom will be like, "Oh yeah, like yeah. sunglasses." <laughs> Every everyone in the group chat will know about these sunglasses I've bought. Hi, <laughs> bright red. My mom and dad were like, "You okay?" And I was like. <laughs> Can I just say as well? I am notorious for walking around with sunglasses on my head, and I've actually taken them off because these are normally here. Yeah. <laughs> I use them as a hairband as well. That's why I can't have them with the little plastic things because yeah. if the, they're a hairband or they're on my face. So they have little plastic things. I can't hack them. Thanks everyone for watching this episode of Shoecast. Thank you, Jenny and Molly, for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you.